Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your car night fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. Pete Wilds are t- and United are the Kings of Cumbria as they do the double over Barrow for the first time since 1961. We look back on a battling performance in the south of the county before looking ahead to another huge game against Salford as they make the trip up the M6 to Brunton Park this weekend. Getting a nice early bleep in there into the episode. <laughs> uh, I'd like, like to get it in nice and early. Uh, yeah, there you go. United have done the double over Barrow. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit testy afterwards, I think it's fair to say, Mike. Yeah, I think so. I mean, my whole take on the Barrow derby, rivalry, whatever you want to call it, is I don't think you can just point at a team on a map and say, right, there are rivals. I don't see it that way. I think, for me, things have to happen in games and things have to happen between clubs to kind of help grow yeah. a rivalry kind of thing. And yeah. to be honest, I think that's exactly what's happening. And I think Pete Wilde's antics over the last few days have certainly helped fuel that. Yeah, he's a, as I, as I said on Radio Cumbria, he's a bitter, bitter man. But there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty happy with the result, though, overall, Mike, you have to say? Yeah, yeah, you know, fantastic. Obviously, you know, even better that it's that it's against them. Um, and it it's you know, there's still all to play for. You know, we're not guaranteed a playoff spot yet. And you know, if Stephen has lose the last two games, who knows? Yeah, we were all Swindon fans for a couple of hours on a uh, Tuesday yeah. night, and I can tell you now that I hate Magic Roundabouts. It's a stupid <laughs> concept. I don't know why yeah. I think it was a good idea to sod them. Um, Definitely. Let's get into it then, Mike. Uh, first up, um, we've got to uh, tell you about who sponsors the podcast and how to find us on social media and how to subscribe. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Carl United Sports Club London Branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Carl United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and, of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters, games and fundraising for the club. This season, they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cummins.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Yeah, right, there we go. Right, let's get into it, Mike. Um, okay, first up in news, um, we'll, we'll start with a positive, shall we? Mm. And uh, yeah, it's obviously the, the EFL had their annual soiree, I think you call it that, on um, on Sunday night, uh, as the great and the good got together for the end of season awards. Um, unfortunately, uh, Paul Simpson, United boss, he missed out on the manager of the year award to Richie Wellens. I think that's fair enough, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah, really? they do one of those ones. I think the league. I think all three of them deserve a lot of credit for just the similarity of what they've done in terms of taking mm. a team that was near the bottom. Obviously, Wellens has had a bit more time to do it, hence why he's probably a little bit ahead. Um, and to take them up to you know either getting promoted or challenging for promotion or in the playoffs is like just an incredible achievement. So fair, fair play, you know. Richie Wellens may be a bit of a a, a knob, but he's a, he's a good match at this level. Mm. I don't think they can doubt that much too much, can you? So we missed out on that, and you know we were a bit annoyed that Owen Moxon wasn't even you know nominated for the uh, Player of the Year award. I still think that's ridiculous. I'm still a bit. Mm, Sam Hoskins got the award in the end. I'm a bit. Mm, He's had a very good season, don't doubt that. Mm. But I'd have picked Andy Cook ahead of him, probably. Yeah. Personally, I still think it's a little bit mad that there's not a single Orient player in the Player of the Year. Thing. But I think it's done actually like a couple of months ago, isn't it? So I think it was done just before Andy Cook went on his mad little run. But then, he, then it was also done at the time when Owen Moxon was at his peak. True. <laughs> this is what true. makes it more bizarre. And actually, mm. at that time, Sam Hoskins was on a bit of a. 
Yeah. Not on quite a purple patch, was he? I think he was struggling for goals a little bit. So mm. yeah, it's very strange. But there you go. But yes, Owen Moxon obviously missed out on that, but he didn't miss out on a place in the team of the year because he's in the League Two team of the season, isn't he, Mike? A, a fa- mm-hmm. Honestly, a fantastic achievement in his first full season as a professional, isn't it? Yeah. Like just to, some of the names is alongside as well. I think he, you know, I think he said, didn't he, with, on the club website? You know, it's it's a great honour to be up with them, and also fair play. He's a humble lad. He was giving a lot of credit to his teammates, wasn't he? You know what they've done yeah. for him in this first season. I mean, to think he was driving a van delivering for UPS, wasn't he, at this time last year? Yeah, it's incredible. And, then, yeah. and before the season started, we raised concerns about how you know we didn't think you know we thought like a fifty game season would be a lot oh. for him. Fair play, like he's. You know, he's still he hasn't really picked up too many injuries, Touchwood, right. and um, he's doing he's doing a good job. There was a slight drop off in his performances, wasn't there? Oh but yeah, I think we one hundred percent expected that happens that, with all players, really. Exactly, exactly. So it's not that much of a problem. Uh, just to give you the full team, Lawrence Vigaru and Nets. I don't think there's much argument. With that. I think we all agree no. he's the best keeper in the division. Yeah. Junior Chamandu uh, Chamadudu. Oh God's sake! I never pronounce this one. Go on, you, you ever got <laughs> pronounce this one, Mike? Go on. Chamadu. Chamadu. I'll give you that one, Tramadu. Junior Tramadu uh, from uh, Colchester United. A, a very good young player, to be fair. I, I st- he got the young player, the other one, I should say, as well, actually. I, I kind of feel like if if Finback had been able to stay fit for the whole season, he might have been in contention for that. Yeah. There you go. Um, Carl Piergiani and Omar Beckles at centre-back, even though the, the graphic showed Beckles at left-back, he's clearly the centre-back in that team, isn't he? So, again, not a huge amount of argument with that. Ibutura left back, yeah, he's one of the best ones, isn't he? But I still think Jack Armour. I don't know, you know, I th- I think he's quite overrated, and I I would have preferred Jack Armour in there. We're biased, personally, we? we're biased. Base, but... There you go. Into midfield, yeah. Elliot Watt uh, alongside Owen Moxon and Idris uh, El Mizuni. El Mizuni's been fantastic for Orient as well, to be fair mm. as well. And then your front three of uh, Sam Hoskins, Andy Cook, and Mitch Pinnock. Mitch Pinnock, I'm a bit. Mm, he's not a left winger really, but he's in there as a winger, so. Mm. There you go. Um, so that's your team of the year. Um, fair play, Owen Moxon, to get in there. Uh, YTS decisions, Mike. That's the next bit of news. Mm. Um, that time of year again, obviously, um, where the, the second year YTS is find out if they're going to get a pro deal. And it's quite a brutal one, isn't it? Because only yeah. one player has earned a professional deal. I mean, there's an argument, too, because Ryan Carr would have got one, wouldn't he? I think there's no doubt mm. about that, obviously. But he left to go to Ipswich in January, which is frustrating. But, but there you go. Um the only player who's got one is, uh, well, it's not really a surprise that he's got one, is uh, Kai Nugent, who's obviously currently out on loan at Workington. We'll talk about him in a sec, actually, in the loan watch. Um, yeah, um, he's got a one-year deal with an option. Um, it, it sounds like Simmons has been quite impressive, hasn't it? Especially the way he's handled his loan spell at Workington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, he, he seems to be doing really well sort of playing with men, because he, he is yeah. quite a... Should we say a uh, physically challenged uh, yeah, young not, lad? He's not too tall. He's quite slight, but he's shown that he can handle the, the rough and tumble. And yeah. all the reports we're getting from Workington, a couple of Workington fans I know, were saying that technically he looks very good. And actually, some of them were saying it'd be great if we go up, if we could get him back on loan next season, possibly. That would be fantastic. I do wonder if Simmer might look and think half season loan at Annan, maybe if they get promoted in Scotland, possibly Scottish mm. League One might be a slightly higher level. It's hard to judge with Scottish football and English non league football sometimes, isn't it? So you're kind of like, hmm. Can't work out which one's going to be the best. But yeah, so Kai is the only one who's got a deal. Uh, that means his second-year colleagues, Matt Bell, Nick Ballardo, Lewis Boyd, Harvey Gordon, Mason Hardy, Dan Hill and Alex Potts have all been released on the completion of their scholarships. I think they can all take solace in the way that, you know, oh, Moxon has come back from a setback from even earlier than that. As a 16-year-old, he was released to yeah. to show what he can do. There's, there's plenty of options to get yourself into professional deals. Any of those you may be a little bit surprised will let go? Maybe Ballardo. Because uh, he's been on the bench a couple of times, he's and played a couple of times, hasn't he? Yeah, and he he's, uh, he scored like twenty odd goals for the youth team. But yeah, yeah, you there you go. It's, it's brutal. You know, he came on off the bench against Tramway in the cup, and you know, had a couple of chances around about that time. Maybe he's just not kicked on from that, and mm. that's, and Sim- Simo is quite brutal with this. You know, he's never mm. been one to just give out contracts for fun. So Nugent's definitely earned it, and we've seen obviously with you know Jack Ellis has done really well. This season, and Max Kilsby's done great stuff at uh, Anon Athletic on, on mm. loan as well. So he's picky with it because he knows what what quality is really, doesn't he? So mm. so there you go. Um, one little bit of news as well to uh, that we're going to discuss a bit more in depth in the match review section, aren't we, Mike? I think um, mm. before we got into the loan watch is uh, John John Kamani Gordon is going to be suspended for the next three games, isn't he? 
Yeah, absolutely ridiculous decision. Yeah. So essentially, uh, it was an incident that the referee missed. Again, we'll talk about that in a sec. In the uh, the Barrow game, um, uh, alleged violent, violent conduct. Um, it basically, he caught Sam McLennan slightly as he was shrugging him off. But again, we'll talk in depth about it shortly. Um, and the FA decided that um, he's going to have a free game now, which means he misses the last two regular games season and potentially first leg of the playoffs. Um, yeah, well, well, should we leave that there for now? We'll come back to yeah. that in a minute. Um, let's get into the loan watch. We've got a few to wrap up here. Max Kilsby, uh, Adam's decent run of form. That came to an end uh, this weekend. They lost 3-1 at Sterling Albion. That actually confirms Sterling Albion as champions in the process. So it's you know, not not a huge surprise that defeat, is it? Um Max did get on the score sheet, unfortunately in the wrong goal. So he scored an own goal in this game. And frustratingly, they were 1-0 up at that point, yeah, and as well. So that was an equaliser. And obviously they went on to lose 3-1. And despite that loss, actually all the results elsewhere went in their favour. So it, it's not been a bad weekend at all for them, really, in, in, in the grand scheme of things. And um, just looking, uh, I think they, they only need one point from their final two games to score a playoff spot. Because I think one of, two of the teams in the playoffs are actually playing each other. So both of them can't overtake them. So mm. um, first up they've got is their final home game of the regular season. Uh, on Saturday they face Bonnie Rig Rose, who are struggling. So there's every chance they're going to get that point this weekend. And that'd be fantastic for Max to enjoy a playoff campaign. So hopefully at the same time as United. Mm. That's the hope, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Lewis Bell, um, another 90 minutes for Lewis Bell and Gretna. They, they ended their run of three and all defeats at the weekend. They lost three one instead <laughs> against Edinburgh University. Only one of only two sides below them in the league. I mean, they've had a miserable end to the season. I think this actually cost Michael McIndoe's job. Uh, the Gretna manager, I think he left uh, not long after the game. So um, yeah, full ninety minutes for Lewis. Um, they only just avoided keeping that run going. Actually, the face because they scored in injury time. <laughs> I bet they'd be glad to have done that. You don't want to end with absolute that limbs and a pitch invasion. Yeah, five three nil <laughs> defeats in a row. Really, do you? But yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. Now that was their final league fixture of the season, but bizarrely, the Lowland League Cup now starts. So they've got their first round game, the Lowland League Cup, uh, where they're at home against East Kilbride this Saturday. I suspect that's not going to be a very long campaign for Gretna somehow. Mm. <laughs> I can't see them getting beyond the first round. But uh, yeah, hopefully one last game at least for Lewis and uh, that'll be the end of his loan spell there. Uh, Sam Fishburne at Morpeth Town. Interesting weekend for Sam. Uh, he was actually rested for Morpeth's final home game of the season in the league at least. Um, although he didn't feature, it was a thrilling game this, wasn't it? Mm. The, um, they were 3-1 down going into injury time. They got one more back just at the start of injury time. And then in the last minute... Their goalkeeper came up for a free kick, and I mean, it's not Jimmy Glass esque, quite, is it? He scuffs it into the back of the yeah. net. How, how no one stopped that, I don't know. But basically, yeah. the goalkeeper scored to make it free free. Didn't mean anything. They were already safe. It was a free free draw at home against uh, Warrington Rylands. Uh, into midweek, though, Sam, uh, in his final game for the club, uh, started and played the full 90 minutes as they ran out 2 0 winners in the Northumberland Senior Cup final, beating Blythe Spartans at St. James's Park in Newcastle. So that would have been a dream country for Sam, because I think he's a Newcastle fan, isn't he? From mm. So nice little bit touch from there. So he ends his loan spell with like, 27 appearances and five goals. So, I mean, goals-wise, not that great, but in a team that's been struggling as well, to be fair. So it's, you know, just by the by, isn't it? Uh, and finally, Kai Nugent, obviously mentioned him before getting his pro deal. Uh, it's been a great week for him on the pitch as well. Um, he helped... Guide Workington to the Northern Premier League First Division playoff final. Firstly, he played in the 4-0 victory over Colne at the in the final league game of the regular season. I think he set two goals up in that game as well, didn't he? Um, and then he impressed again in the 2-0 victory over Cliverow in the playoff semi-final. Uh, Reds are now going to face Runcorn Leonard at Borough Park this Saturday to decide on who will get promoted. So yeah, it's been a, like that is a genuine example of a really successful loan spell, isn't it? I saw there was some yeah. comments from. Danny Grange as well about his attitude and how he's approached it, Kai. So, I mean, hopefully, it seems like there's potentially a good link going there with working in, especially if they get themselves to one level higher, that would be even better. That's the yeah, kind of definitely. level you want to send young pros to, isn't it? And um, mm. from what I can gather, Danny Grange is doing a lot of coaching with our youth team as well, helping out during the week as well now. So, mm. he's getting a good sight of these players. So, he'll, have, he'll know whether they're actually ready to come and join him on loan. So, yeah, fantastic stuff. Right, Mike, match review time. Barrow nil, Camel United one. Um, it's not a classic, was it? I mean, compared to the Stockport game, it was 
a scrappy game at times. There was plenty of chances for both sides, but it, it wasn't as free-flowing, end-to-end attacking football, was it? No, um, but, I mean, like you say, there was plenty of chances. I mean, during our kind of goal drought, we weren't really creating very good chances, but in this yeah. game, you know, yeah. we could have had a couple more, and likewise, Barrow could have had a, co- a couple as well. You know, there w- were a lot of good chances for both teams. There were some great blocks coming in from our players, wasn't there, in this game, to be fair. It was really yeah. good to see, and people throw themselves on the line. We'll get to that in a minute, but, um, yeah, it, it's one of those games that it's a dark... Hesitate to say it. it's a dark. Let's just say it is a derby. It's a derby game. There's a bit of tension between the two sides at the moment. Clearly, seemingly driven by their manager as much as anything. Mm. Um, and it, it, it kind of it, it felt like you know we were just like you know what we're not going to lose this. We're going to get that once we get that goal. We're going to keep it tight, but we're going to hit you on the break every chance we get. Mm. And that's the way we played it. And Sometimes that's the best way to play. Sometimes you've just got to dig in and get a result this stage of the season, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's the thing. Barrow didn't really have a lot to play for themselves, but I think they were desperate to stop us from getting a result more than anything. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that was that was the main aim, wasn't it, basically? Um, when the team selection was announced, Mike, um, first time this season, Simmer moved away from his tried and trusted 3-5-2 to a 4-3-3 formation from the start of the game at least anyway mm. um, Barkley came in uh, back in for senior slotting in at right back Whelan retained his place in defence alongside Huntington and then Big John moved up into midfield and Gibson dropped out uh, in favour of Edmonton who played on the wing were you surprised at all by the team selection and the decision to switch formation? Um, a little bit yeah because I, I, I still thought even though obviously we looked really good with 4-3-3 at the end against Stockport I still thought Simone might revert to his tried and trusted yeah. but it's it's good to see that like I, like I was glad like because in, in my head I was hoping that he'd do it but I wasn't entirely convinced he would but yeah he did and, and I'm glad yeah um, in terms of the selection Barkley going to right back was that a little bit of a surprise and maybe even Edmondson coming in on the wing uh, maybe, but like you said before, we wanted to be solid, and I feel like Barkley at right back is more solid defensively. And I think, like you said before, we wanted to just be solid at the back, and I think that's what Barkley gives us in that position. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair point. That to be fair, and I think in terms of Edmondson, it was it was having a physical presence up there as well. Rather, you know, Gibson's very tricky, good bringing the ball forward, but Edmondson gave us a bit of a focal point when we needed it. For the wings as well, doesn't it? So I think that kind of helped. And to be fair, Gordon's quite good at that. He's quite good at the physical side of it, as we found out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, this is the game itself, Mike. Uh, the goal, obviously, you were at the game. You were listening and you've watched back the highlights. In it, well, I, um, I was in work, but I think I had a better view um, than a lot of people who were actually at the game, by the oh, looks of things. Ridiculous. I mean, there's, there's a great <laughs> video that our good friend Nick Brown sent me on WhatsApp. And Nick was stood literally about six feet away from me. Not that far behind me either. And from his video, you cannot, he, he takes video of the corner, you can't actually see. Mm. No idea. And like, there's a kind of like, hey, hey, hey. And then everyone goes nuts when they realise it yeah. has crossed, when the referee signals that, like, yes, it has crossed the line now. Mm. So basically, I mean, fair play. First of all, J.K. Gordon, great pressure to force um, Newby into putting the ball behind for a corner. Um, and then from there, uh, Moxon's ball in. It's actually not a good corner, is it really? I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to do the old flick on at the front post, aren't they, with mm. Dennis? But actually, he completely underhits it. But, but, fair, fair play to Dennis, though. Like he fought like nothing else. You know, like he put absolutely everything on the line to get that flick on. He adapted brilliantly, didn't he? He basically mm. flung him belly flop to the foremost, <laughs> flicked it up, and then uh, Paul Farman doing his, his best uh, flapping impression as usual. Um, he just got completely caught out by it. He committed to come for it, even though the mm. ball was not actually... You know, if if the flick-on doesn't happen, the, the ball's going nowhere near him. Anyway, so I'm not entirely mm. sure what on earth Farman's actually doing in that situation. Mm. He comes too far, ends up flapping the ball to the far post. Barkley, it's interesting. If you read the stats, it says we had two shots on target, doesn't it? Mm. Well, Barkley had about three or four shots on target in this <laughs> thing on its own, so that's not yeah. correct. Yeah. So basically, first he tries to bundle over. I, I don't think it actually ever got over the line until yeah. he has his back to goal and he's like, oh, sod this. And he just back heels it in the back of the net past mm. the players. And uh, Paul Farman has his usual hissy fit and boots the ball away, kicks the posts because <laughs> you know, it's everyone else's fault and not his. And uh, and yeah, everyone went bananas. It, it's 
it's not a goal for the ages, is it? No, but you know, all that matters is it hit the back of the net. That's that's all that matters. First goal for the club as well. Not not a bad time to do it, is it really? Mm-hmm. You know, a time like this later in the season. I, I genuinely, I, I keep saying, I think he's a great player. I genuinely, think, if we can get him on the right wage, I'd I'd hundred percent keep him next season. Yeah, I think so. He definitely offers something, doesn't he? I mean, other than that, I mean, the first half was was quite bitty, and there wasn't really that many clear cut chances for either team. I mean, they had an early chance where uh, <laughs> Whitfield sent in a cross from the right. It wasn't actually a very good cross, to be fair. It was quite low. And uh, George Ray flicked it on, and Harrison Neal was there in the middle, ready to head it in. But Holy does brilliantly, actually, to not just save it, but hold on to the ball, doesn't he? It's yeah, really, yeah. Really good save, that one. Um, then you've also got the Barkley goal. Um, they had one shot. I think they, they had a couple of long-range shots that were deflected straight at Holy. First half, they really didn't threaten that much, I don't think, uh, Barrow. We we had a, a, a few. I mean, the, the one chance they did have, to be fair, though, actually, was the one where Corey Whelan was down injured. And the ball kind of comes to Whitfield, doesn't it, on the edge of the box. And there's a big gap there where Whelan should have been. Hmm. And Jack Armour gets across for probably up there with Huntington's tackle against Tranmere for tackle this season, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, un- uh, absolutely Jack. brilliant. Uh, and, and well, t- to be fair, um, one of the Barrow players, I can't remember who, made a brilliant tackle on Patrick as well yeah, later well, in the that, game. That, that's coming in the second half, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so you've got that. Um, into the second half. Sorry, <clears throat> got to clean my throat there. Um, th- there was a few more. There was one big chance for them, sort of early on in the second half, where Whitfield does well to get away, plays a ball in that comes to White the far post. Now, at, on the radio afterwards, they were saying, "Oh, the last person you wanted to fall to was Tom White, and he should have scored there." I don't think White did that, but actually, I think it's mm. just I, I think he's unlucky that. Sorry, I'm going to root. Just cleared my throat off air there. Um, I don't think White's done that bad there. I think Moxon's done really well to stick his heel out and block it. He's yeah, put it definitely. into the right area, back across goal. Mm. And it falls then to Josh Gordon. Actually, I think Josh Gordon's the one who should do better. Because mm. he's got because Holy's committed himself to the dive. There's a massive gap in the goal. Mm. And he plays it back at Holy, basically. Mm. Thomas must be thinking thank you very much <laughs> I'm not sure why you've done this because you've, you've mm. got a chance to score for me Josh Gordon's the one who's the most guilty there of, of messing up really I think Tom White did pretty well to get any sort of shot yeah but, definitely yeah. and when the ball sort of fizz into White the way it was it's important just to get a good connection yeah. on it it's very easy to kind of just kick the air and get nothing on yeah. it absolutely definitely um, uh, beyond that, there was, uh, United had a couple of good counter-attacks. There was one where Guy did, and Guy especially was, he was leading the charge, wasn't he? I'd never seen him have pace like that before in my life. <laughs> he, he won one charge down the left where he played it inside to Dennis, and Dennis just, it's a bit of a scuffed F, isn't it? I think he could do better with that. Mm. Um, but actually, Patrick was the one who made a big difference. He he came on and offered as a real outlet, and um, going down the left wing especially, and the, there's one where he basically picks it up pretty much on the edge of our corner of our area, doesn't he? Mm. Gets past one challenge. Then he gets. they try to skive him down once. They try again just inside their half, and he's away. But actually, to give a bit of credit, I think it was having Neil or White does get across and forces him into a position where he hasn't really got the clear run on goal. Cuts inside, and White gets a great block in. There's another one where... Um, sorry, Neil, I think, gets the block in the time. And then the other one, you, you tell him you're talking about before... Um, is where Garner plays a lovely dinked ball over the top in yeah. defence. It's a one-two with Patrick, and he's re- he basically lines up and he volleys it. And I think if the, if White doesn't get the block, it's back of the net because it's too powerful yeah. for Farm and it's past him before he has a chance to mm. react. Brilliant block. So and they had the one chance late on, didn't they, with the free kick where Farman came up with a bit of chaos and Josh K has a shot that hits the post. At, I think Thomas Hurley had it covered, actually. You know, looking back at the yeah. photos and the video, I think he would have saved it if it had been on target. Um, but yeah, so that was really it. And then final whistle goes not long after that chance and you know, you get the three points. And despite what the opposition manager might like to claim, um, <laughs> they did not batter us. It's the biggest no. load of... I, I listened to his post-match interview after, you know, on, the, on the train back and I was like, is he serious? Mm. Battered. And to be fair... Like, Lummy was a bit perplexed by it. And and, and you know what? Um, um, thingy um, Goodwin on um, Radio Cumbria. Mm. I like him. I think he's a really good pundit. I think he talks a lot of sense. And he was very fair and said, look, it's a close game between two sides. You know, end of the season, going for it. Mm. Carlisle did exactly what they had to do to get results. And that's what you've mm. got to do at the stage of the season. 
And I think he was a bit perplexed by the battered claim. Like, the stats don't back it up. And actually, the amount of saves that Holy had to make that were, were proper efforts that, you know, he was tested. Mm. So limited. And actually, when you look at it on the counter, we could have had two or three. You know, we really yeah. hit them on the counter really well. Well, I, th- I think w- what Lumsden said on the radio is that, like, some managers after the match, they do like to sort of big up the players and kind of, like, lift their spirits a little yeah. bit by making out that they did better than they did kind of thing. But it runs a risk of the players thinking, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or, at the or, same or time. All of them getting a bit too cocky about what was decent, but not that good a performance, you know. Yeah. You've got to be realistic. I'm sure the players, if you just said to them, look, it's a really good effort against a decent team. We've come a little bit short, but you know that's the that's the mm. where we need to be. We need to be doing that next season. We need to be the ones who are in that position. Mm. To say you battered us, I mean the reports before the game coming from the Barrow camp that clearly leaked out to us is that he's been preparing for this for the last two weeks. And yeah, it's not yeah, maybe yeah. a case. I know they they're saying oh, but he only changed two for the Grims from the Grims game. I think the whole planning for what we can gather this comes from Sauce in the Barrow camp is that they were he was desperate to win this game. Yeah, and the way he was behaving, the way he was acting up. 100% he was desperate to win it and yeah and he didn't absolutely <laughs> diddums to him uh, yeah, yeah. He, he just he's just a bit of a, a knob isn't he basically that's the only way yeah. to describe it um, yeah so in the end happy with that let's do some six second review shall we Mike well, uh, oh, hang on before on. that we, we haven't talked about the JK Gordon oh well go, well go on let's talk about that brief uh, so essentially JK, this is the first half when we're on the attack, and JK is trying to get away from Sam McLennan. He's pulling him back. He's clearly pulling him back. Yeah. He shrugs him off, and his hand might catch him in the face. It's not an elbow. It's not a forearm smash. But he's not even looking at him, so he doesn't know where his arms are going. He's basically shrugging him off, throwing out his arm. It's a little bit... It's one of those ones where you want to say to him, you've got to be careful with stuff like that, because it will get you in trouble, won't it? But there's no like intent of like he's trying to smash him for for any reason. He's trying to shrug him off. Referee's looking right at it. You watch the video, it's clear as day. He's looking straight at the incident. Um, I think, uh, there's a few people said a free kick was given. I don't think it was. I think it was a throw-in, actually, to be fair. Yeah. The, the referee blew the whistle, but that's because it was a head injury. He didn't yeah. signal his arm either way. For no, a, he did a say that. Kick. He basically said to stop because it's a head injury. Wait on. Um, yeah, and, and Pete Wilde, after the game, was proper kicking off about saying he should be sent off. It's a disgrace. You know, forearm smash. It's not a forearm smash in a million years. Mm. Never in a million years. The FA in their wisdom had decided that apparently the referee put in his report that he didn't see it. Now, if I'm a assessor, I'd be looking at that saying, okay, you're saying you're not seeing it, but you're looking right at it. If he didn't see it, he should never referee again. Well, he shouldn't be refereeing this weekend, definitely, because mm. there's no way if you if you you can't claim to have seen that because I'm not seeing it because you're looking at it. So mm. Gordon's now out for three games. Wiles tried to claim I wasn't responsible. I'm not the one who you know, uh, he's pushed it. I've not been... He was banging on it after the game. He was clearly really furious about it. Yeah. And the, the thing that annoys me the most about this is, right, okay, this is retrospective acting. This is the referee basically saying to Barrow, whatever, apologies, we missed it. The lad's now banned for three games. Right, fine. How many times have we had apologies this season for incidents that the referees have, have, have messed up? Mm. Like, countless. You're thinking mm. back to, you know, the offside goal against Northampton that should have been given onside. You yeah. think of the offside goal given for Orient that should have been given mm. offside. You think of the penalty in that game. Mm. I'm sure there's a couple more instances that I can't remember off the top of my head, right? For us, we're just told, sorry about that, it's tough luck. Mm. For this, it's a, sorry about that, the lad's now banned for free games for Carlisle and can't feature. Mm. Where's where's the balance in it? That, that's where there's a problem with his retrospective acting for me. That's the, that's the big issue. Exactly, and and for me as well, the three match ban is violent conduct. And for me, there's an argument maybe you know he was a bit clumsy with his elbow, maybe, but it wasn't violent. It wasn't Ryan Edmondson against Leighton Orient basically punching someone in the face. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and you know Barrow uh, Robbie Gotts smashed the ball into J.K. Gordon's face yeah. deliberately earlier in the game. The, that, the that's deliberate. Gone. That's violent conduct. Yeah, after the whistle had gone, and also the, there was an incident where. I think actually the incident that led to their first chance of that header for Neil, they were given a free kick, right? Where Mellish was basically pulled down by their player and, and tumbled over and he gave the free kick to them. Mm. It was an off-the-ball thing. But actually, if you watch it, their player pretty sure stamps on Mellish as he's yeah. going over him. So it's uh, it, it's just just really frustrating. But, but, but there you go. Um, yeah, I think probably the less said about that, the better. It's, it's, it's annoying, but it's a chance for someone else to come in. Maybe Charters comes onto the bench for the last few games and yeah. he's got an opportunity or something like that. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, 
Right, Mike, let's do six-second reviews. Uh, yeah. Who do you want to do first, Craig or Regan? Uh, we'll do Regan. Regan first, okay. Aye, um, great day out down in Lancashire. Um, it's a shame we couldn't take uh, four times as many fans as we would have, but you know, maybe one day they'll have a proper stadium for us to take all three points away from. Um, good to see Wild continuing to talk out his ass on BBC Cumbria, saying <laughs> something about they should have won 8-0 or something, but you know, he's always lived up in the clouds him. Um, I think the next two games is just going to be more of the same to be honest just grafting out three points and really did battle for it there was everybody was throwing the body on the line you know armour boxing with some vital blocks um, not going to be easy but we've shown the second half of the Stockport game and that gives me a bit of belief we need somebody to slip up and we've just got to make sure that we're there to step up if they do um, so on to the next one shag a shag and it's as simple as that up the blues. It's always a warm, satisfying feeling to hear him say that phrase, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely lovely stuff. Yeah, I think fair assessment by Regan. There's no love lost with Wild, is there? Despite what he claims, and he's trying to say, oh, I've not got a problem with something. Yeah, it's just pathetic, but there you go. I, I get the vibe reading between the lines of what Regan was saying there that he doesn't like Barrow. Um, yeah. Or Wild. <laughs> yeah, I could be I could be wrong, but no, you know. No, it's funny. Like you said about the stadium there. I mean, they've. They've made some minor improvements to the away and a bit of they've put a bit of astroturf on in some of the concrete and that's about it. But actually they've made it smaller because they put a weird you used to be able to stand right in the corner bit, right, up to the, the walls where the, the backs the sort of wooden walls at back up where the um the food hut is hidden. But they've put like some metal poles there now so you can't actually stand on the highest bit of it. Mm. Which is like the best view you can actually get in the away end. Mm. Ridiculous, but there you go. I mean, they are going to be knocking it down on some of the fair play, but we'll interest to see what actually they replace it with. So there you go. Mm. Right, let's do Craig's six-second review now. There's only one team in Cumbria, an exciting A595 derby with only one goal in it. The game started off quite evenly with both sides in it. Then we start gaining a bit of momentum and we get a corner and then we score from it. I said to my friend that a goal is a goal, whether it's a wonder goal or the scrappiest <laughs> goal ever, and this is exactly what I meant. It wasn't clean, but it got the job done. Then, quickly after half-time, our 640 Carlisle fans were bouncing all over the place. After that, it became some end-to-end football, where you can only see one end. Then they got a corner, <laughs> and Newby was asking for abuse when standing in front of me, where I basically said that he must be really bad because he played for Barrow, in stronger language that I'm not allowed to repeat. <laughs> Another good news, coming from this game, Thomas Hawley setting a new club record for tw- clean sheets with 20 in a season. An exciting train journey home after listening to Super Simo's interview and a very funny Pete Wilde interview where apparently they battered us and they were the only team in it. But surely if that was true, they would have thrashed us like 6-0 or something. Overall, an exciting game with a terrible view and the dirtiest place you could imagine. Up the blues. <laughs> what a first-class report, that is. <laughs> Outstanding stuff from Craig. Um, and that's fair. Yeah, that, that's... I, I I asked him deliberately to tell me what he said to Newby on the corner because he was sat there. We were sat in the we were on the other bit of the corner, and he was literally there. Newby was almost at his shoulder, and, he, and I saw he'd said something to him. I was like, "What's he said to him? I need to find out what that is." So uh, good. I, you know what? Give it ten or fifteen years, you'll be taking James Phillips's job on Radio Cymru with reports like that. <laughs> yeah. won't he? Maybe maybe yeah. a little bit have to be a little bit more balanced when he does those ones. Maybe, but you know, no, yeah. no fa- fantastic. <laughs> I think for his dad, it must have been a very very proud father moment hearing yeah. him giving I'm, me that, that, that abuse. Pretty sure it was, wasn't it? Um, well, let's, let's, let's talk about one of the points he raised there. Thomas Oley, club record holder. Yeah. Fantastic achievement, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And yeah, we, we almost kind of forgot to mention that, really. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of just become like an expected thing. Clean sheets, they're not, mm. they're not that big a deal at the minute because we just seem to get so many. It, it's weird because... <clears throat> when you go bad runs, if if you get to the point where you're conceding goals for fun, stopping conceding goals becomes quite a challenge. It mm. really does. Whereas if you're on a bad run where you're not scoring goals, you can as long as you're not conceding, you're still not going to lose that many games. You're still going to be getting points here and there, aren't yeah. you? And I think that's a big thing. Actually, if you look, if we lost a couple of those games that we we, we drew nil nil, like two or three mm. of them, we're three points worse off. We're struggling to get in the playoffs right now. So actually, and that's it's one of the things of hindsight, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing as well, is, all right, he has kept some clean sheets in games where he hasn't actually had a lot to do, but in this Barrett game, he made some really good and important saves. Yeah, and his handling was good, his, kick, his mm. kicking was great, he, he he picked out Gordon a couple of times with long, early, quick kicks, which is something we clearly saw as a potential weapon, unfortunately we're not going to be able to use it for the next few games, but 
you know, it, it clearly was something he recognised. Actually, there's a good chance to get on the counter. And that's the thing you say, like, he didn't have much to do. So that, that's sometimes the sign of a good goalkeeper. You've, Definitely. Some of the best goalkeepers, you think of your Edisons and your Allisons. I'm not comparing Holy to either them, by the way. I'm just saying as an example. They have, a, they have very little to do, often in games. They've got to be ready for that one moment to make that mm. one save. And, and Holy generally is pretty good at that when he, when he mm. has to. And yeah, I don't think he gets the. We're big fans of his, isn't it? And we don't think yeah. he's got the credit he deserves sometimes. But you're know, fair play to the bloke. Club record older now individually. They need one more to get the team record, I think, don't they? I think to overtake Simo's team in 05 06. Yeah. Um, hopefully, if they can get that, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? It's Yeah, it's, it kind of feels like the solid defensive base we've had this season has kind of been forgotten because there has been a couple of games where we've had the batterings. I mean, you look back at that Mansfield game now. The turnaround since then in terms of defensively, unreal, isn't it? When you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I think we needed that Mansfield game in in a bizarre way because it yeah. gave the players a kick up the arse. If, if we'd have sort of scraped through that nil-nil, I, I dare say that our results following that wouldn't actually be as good as the yeah. results that we've had. And we've only conceded more than one goal twice since then in like the 13, 14 games. That was yeah. the Crawley game, which didn't really matter, and then the Stockport game, where you know they're very good teams. So yeah, it can happen, can't it? So, yeah, fantastic, great stuff to get a club record there. Um, the tactical tweak, then, Mike, the switch from three five two to four three three, did it work? I'm, I'm not also 100 convinced it did. I think it, it, it did an okay job, but I'm I'm a bit on the fence with this one. Well, we won, didn't we? So... Yeah, I, I guess so, but it, I don't know. I kind of feel like. Big John did okay in midfield from the start, but not as good as he has done when he's coming to games when the game's already at full pace and he just comes yeah. in cause it chaos. It wasn't quite as effective him in that role, but mm. um, yeah. I mean, at the same time, no. I mean, Barrow's pitch—it's not the biggest. No. Sort of. So there isn't a lot of like space for Mellish to kind of like bomb into, mm. like he might do in other games. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, you know, we won and and. You know, since going four three three, you know we won the second half against Stockport two one, yeah. and we won this one now. So, yeah, I suppose I think you, you, keep you it as it is. You can't argue too much with that. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that in the previous section. Clearly, you've mm. made your mind up. I, I've got a slightly <laughs> differing view to that, but there you go. Um, yeah, impact of the subs though. This one, Mike, that this is something that I was really impressed with, actually because I feel like the subs impact has been a, a little bit off in recent weeks and in recent games, but actually in this one. I thought all the subs who came on had a decent impact, even you know the ones coming on late on, and particularly Amari Patrick. I've got to pick out here because you know the some fans give him a bit of stick, and sometimes think it doesn't quite work for him. Four three three clearly is his preferred formation because he plays yeah. wide in that three, doesn't he, on the left? And the out ball he gave us in the second half was a huge reason why we didn't end up getting pegged back and getting you know Barry mm. constantly putting pressure on us, didn't it? Wasn't it? Mm, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a huge difference and. I do wonder if, if we're going to go 4-3-3 for this game, obviously Gordon's going to miss out for the Sulphur game. Does Patrick come in to replace him, possibly, in that situation? Because he offers that bit of attacking go. Yeah, maybe. Um, or I wouldn't mind seeing Edmondson in that role, either. Uh, I think 1v1 with a full-back. Yeah, I think he could co- cause a lot of problems. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that goes. Um, finally, just before we go on to do a little League 2 roundup, um, got to give a shout-out to the amazing away support again. Sold out, despite what some Barrow fans were trying to claim. 640-odd <laughs> of them. Um, amazing from start to finish. Um, the, uh, the the chant that we stole from the Stockport fans from Tuesday night of where the Carlisle, the mighty Carlisle, we always win away. Followed by the a win, away, a win, away, a win. Constantly. Like, it, it, it's so irritating, but so amazing as well. When you're winning 1-0 in a game, it's well worth doing a chant like that, isn't it? Yeah, mm. it's, it's annoying as it can be. But brilliant support, I thought. And despite the fact that you know you're in the worst away end in the league, and it is the worst in the league, Harrogate runs it close. But at least Harrogate, you've got a bit of cover there, and you and you've got a, a vague idea of what looks like a ground, even if the, the steps aren't that steep, are they? Yeah, exactly. This is just, I mean, in the nicest way possible. It, it, it's barely Northern Premier League standard at times. Yeah, Barrow's ground. Hopefully, but there are like ground requirements to get into the league. But yeah. It begs the question: What are they here? They 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 were reduced quite a bit, I think, once because because of the issue, you know, when team a lot of teams were missing out, or a lot of teams were getting close, and mm. potentially we're not going to be even be able to go in the playoffs, even though in the playoff positions it's kind of like 
there needs to be a little bit of balance here. But there's some reports I've heard from someone that actually technically their ground's not up to conference standard even. Mm. So, I mean, they're going to have to do a lot of work in the summer. I think they've known that, haven't they, for a while. So, mm. interesting to see how that goes for them. Um, Got to get say one thing, though. What a shame about the way the police handled after the game, getting back to the station. It was... Yeah, for anyone who was there, it was just chaotic. Basically, when you when you leave Holker Street, you go down the, the long Holker Street road from the ground to the station. But on the way, on the left hand side, there's the British Legion, which is where a lot of Barrow fans drink. Or at least I think the the lads who are in there in their you know North Face Ninjas, you know, clad clad head to toe in black and hooded up, were um, I'm not sure they were actually at the game. Even I think a lot of them mm. had gone there knowing when the game was finishing. And for some reason, the Royal British Legion was allowed to sell glass bottles and glass pint glass and stuff mm. for this game. So we were walking by. We were The police were outside there, and they told us, go to the other side of the road. That, that's fine. Next thing you know, we're getting glass bottles hurled at us. And the mm. police were doing nothing about it. It was just the way they were treating some of the Carlisle fans as well. There was a load of police with red hats on us. You know, I think they're from some sort of UK football police task force or something. But well, there's some documentary or something going on. I don't on. think they were filming it in the end. There was ah, rumours okay. that they were going to be filming part of their documentary at this game. I think they dropped it. I think Cumbria Police might have pulled out at the last minute, which mm. was sensible, I think, to be fair. It just, yeah, they they just seemed to be spoiling for a fight, some of them. They, they didn't seem interested in doing any sort of crowd control, especially on the Barrow side of it. But mm. well, there you go. But yeah, nice little day on Barrow. You know, a couple, there are a couple of nice pubs there. I like the Duke of Edinburgh by the station. It's a nice little pub and the Spoons isn't too bad as well. So, so there you go. Right, let's do a quick lead to round up before we go into the second half, Mike. Um... Orient, they completed the job at the weekend. Their 2-0 mm. victory over Crew secured the League 2 title. Their first EFL title since 1970. That's, That's quite cool. a wait, isn't it? Really? Mm. <laughs> when you think about it, it's over 50 years. Because they've had promotions in that in yeah, yeah. the meantime, but obviously no title. So. National League title as well, but EFL title-wise, it's the first mm. one in that zone. Um, we were hoping they won't be on the beach for the final couple of games. And to be fair, midweek against Mansfield, they were down to 10 men for a good half an hour and they changed the mm. team a bit and they still won 2-1. Mm. So, you know, kind of hoping they can do the favour at the weekend because they've got Stockport and then they've got Bradford away for the last game. Mm. So they could have a, still could have a big impact in terms of who goes up, couldn't they? Mm. Um, Northampton, they recovered from an early scare against Harrogate to beat them 3-1. They need just one more win to secure their return to the third tier after two seasons away. They're playing Bradford at home this weekend, so that's a big game for both teams. Kind of one of those ones where you think to yourself, do, do you want a draw in that maybe? Or do you want maybe a... Uh, you know, a win for Bradford, even though that gives them closer to us because it potentially opens up top three for us. But mm. mind you, the Tranmere away on the last day, so I mean, that might as well be three points the way Tranmere are playing this mm. season, mightn't it? So there you go. Stevenage, they continued to stumble towards the end of the season. They lost 1 0. Uh, manager Steve Evans' form side Mansfield, who kept their playoff spots alive in the process. Although in midweek, Stevenage then went and beat Swindon 1 0, and Mansfield mm. lost 2 1. So it kind of flipped around a bit, didn't it? Really? Mm. I mean, Stevenage now only need, I think. Uh, one win again from the last two fixtures to, to go up and they've got Grimsby at home at the weekend Grimsby are very hit and miss so hard to tell who'll turn up there they could still finish ninth for Grimsby so mm. they've still got something to play for in terms of finishing as high as possible in their mm. first season back um, Bradford uh, continued to show how much they rely on Andy Cook uh, he scored twice but it wasn't enough as they were picked back 2-2 in a draw against uh, Gillingham found some injury time goal for the Jills Um mm. Stockport, they picked up a narrow 1-0 home win over Rochdale. That result means Rochdale have dropped out of the league for the first time in 102 years, haven't they? Which is kind of sad. Yeah. Another northern club gone as well. That triangle, it was always that reliable triangle of Bury, Oldham and Rochdale, wasn't it? Of Mm. greater Manchester teams in the Football League and Mm. all gone now. Yeah. Salford, Salford are the only ones there representing sort of north of Manchester if you want to put it that way well Stockport I'm likes west. to call themselves Cheshire don't they yeah for, well they're, they're kind of caught between the two aren't they really in, mm. with Stockport but I mean I always thought Stockport were a bit bigger than the rest of them anyway really so I never really counted them as like a lower league they were more like league one pushing for championship Stockport well, yeah. back in the day um, I think the most annoying result though was Salford they got a 3-2 win at Walsall where they, uh, they scored an injury time equaliser Walsall um, only to then lose in the 98th minute or 97th minute as mm. Matty Lund hit a long-range shot that was going nowhere near like anywhere that was going to trouble the keeper and it took a huge deflection and bounced up into the top corner, didn't it? Mm. <sighs> so irritating because that would have been put us in a position where we were pretty much confirmed in the playoffs, weren't we, if that had stayed as mm. it was. so Frustrating, but there you go. Um, down at the bottom, Hartlepool look like the knacker, don't they? Looks like they're going out the league, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> 
They're, uh, they lost 2 0 at home against Crawley Town, of all the teams to lose to as well. So, frustrating for them. But uh, Yeah, another Northern club as well. Yeah, it's dropping like flies, dropping like flies. Yeah. Right, uh, we'll take a short break and then we'll come back and do a preview of the Salford game. Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. There he is, the main man, the man who's uh, he's been in charge now for, um, what, permanently for one year, Mike. Yeah. That was what yesterday. It was, I mean, it, it's incredible when you think, you know, mm. from where he took over to where he is, he's at now is just a, a, a remarkable turnaround of fortunes, isn't it, really? Yeah. And actually, I should say, we, we did ask you yesterday, we did a tweet and we said to you guys, what is your uh, best moment since he's come back in charge? I did say for the last year, but people, have, I think, have gone back a little bit further, haven't they? And they've looked yeah. at, essentially, um, stuff from when he actually took over in February last year. So we'll read out a few of them now. Uh, let's start with Greg Bowman, good friend of ours, uh, occasional uh, co-host on the show. Greg's favourite thing was John Mellish's bum drum gif with uh, Jack Arnold, <laughs> which I have to admit was quite a highlight. I did enjoy that. That was That mm. was very good. Uh, Joshua Makepeace, he said, uh, he said the Edmo header against Bradford, he meant Swindon, to be fair, I did correct him on that. Uh, the last minute equaliser, you know, the winner, sorry, against Swindon, mm. just for the sheer joy. That, that is up there as one of the special moments, wasn't it, really? That, yeah. I mean, you were there, obviously, at that game as well with me, and we were just, that was when you thought, yes, there's a chance, there is a yeah, chance. Yeah, definitely. Um, Rai, who's RaiCFC on Twitter, he says five of them. And just put a picture up of the uh, of the dugout cam from the Barrow game and, <laughs> and being able to see Pete Wells' reaction in the background. I'm just watching it now, and there's one of the girls in the one where he flips his head head back in frustration was a wonderful sight to see. Um, yeah. Martin Robson, who's dad of Craig, obviously who did our thirty second, sorry, six second review. He said Feeney's goal at Oldham. I think quite a yeah. few people have said Feeney's goal at Oldham as well. I think for me. Edmonton's one was up there with that, I think, just for the fact that it was a flip around of, you know, rather than surviving, it was going for promotion. Mm. That um, It was funny, like the pure relation, the madness, knowing we were probably going to be safe after that point. And uh, he said, also seeing Craig's confused face at being hooked by complete strangers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the goal went in. Um, Tim Martin says, Toby sealing the win v Rochdale with the willy anticipation before he scored. It was one of those moments, wasn't it? And he just kept going. You're like, is he going to, is he going to, because like he had looked a bit, Mm. A little bit Bambi on ice before that, hadn't he? Really, and that I think that goal was kind of what lifted him, wasn't it? And he suddenly yeah. became this big cult hero, and he was really making an impact on games. Um, Show Silver's equaliser at Tranmere. A few people have said that as well, actually. Yeah. To be fair, um, in fact, Dave Noble, give him some credit here. He said the lad hoofing the ball back into the stand at Tranmere to waste time, which gave Toby <laughs> the time to grab the equaliser before Dinell broke the land speed record from the bench to celebrate. Which was one of the first in celebrations. It was. I mean, that was chaos. I mean that. Even though at that point we were pretty much there, it was that was one of those moments. As well, because as Dave says quite rightly, the turnaround in spirit and attitude from where we'd been like a couple months late with a you know incompetent manager now having a competent guy in charge was incredible at that point, wasn't it? it yeah, was just definitely. How much it changed, but there you go. So yeah, and that's the f- thing. There's so many moments. That's the thing. No yeah. one's all saying the same thing. There's yeah. so many. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so there you go. Um, right, let, let's get on with it then, Mike. Um, we haven't got a behind enemy lines this week because, as we said before, Salford do not have any fans on the internet. They they, they they just don't exist. We've asked countless times if there's any, because there's no blogs, there's no podcasts. So there you go. We'll just get straight into it. We'll, we'll hopefully have, we'll do the Sutton one next week because we, we speak to the guy from the, is it the Sutton, Sutton United on Gandamonium. talk time? No, it's not Gandamonium, it's the oh. other one. It's, it's, it, but he's, he's really good to be fair. We did him earlier this season, so we'll, we'll speak with him. Uh, we're going to have a question of the week shortly. Dan's just doing one for us right now while we're recording. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, yep, yeah, this weekend's referee, Seb Stocksbridge from Tyne and Weir. He's a very experienced ref, uh, Stockbridge, isn't he? He's one of those names when you see him, you're like, okay, he's not that controversial. He'll do an okay job, you'd hope. He? That's fingers crossed there. And just <laughs> tempting fate a little bit, I suppose we're saying that. But there you go. It's his 10th season as an EFL referee. He's taking charge of 32 games this season, handing out 94 yellows and four red cards. Last season, he handed out 116 yellows and five red cards in 37 games. That's about average, really, isn't it, really? Yeah. For most refs these days. Um, the last United game he took charge of, actually, it's been quite a while, considering he's a tiny weird ref as well. Um, the last one he took charge of was the 2-0 home defeat to Harrogate last season in November 2021. He did actually take charge of the trophy game at Barrow this season, but we don't talk about that, so we don't count mm. it. Um, head-to-head-wise, it's going to be the seventh meeting between the two sides. quite early days, isn't it? Uh, United have got three wins. There's been two draws, and the Amis have won once. 
Salford City then, Mike. <clears throat> so since they come into the league, obviously they, they came in as the big spenders from the uh, from the National League with their celebrity former footballer owners. Um, mm. Expectation from some of the media was they were just going to fly right through it. Didn't quite work out like that, did it? It's funny no, how exactly. it? things go. Yeah. Um, they've had to sort of rebalance over the season, haven't they? The, the big spending when they first came in and it didn't work. Season after, similar. Struggled a bit. And they're in, as it, are they in their fourth season now? I'm trying to work this out off the top of my head. I think it will be round about the fourth season, won't it? I think yes. the first one was the COVID season, wasn't it? No, it was when the season before COVID. The, the, they, they got promoted the oh, season before that. Yes, yes. Because oh, okay. I remember going to a game. Oh, yeah. Because tickets really, really hard to get for the away game. Yeah. Um, so, basically, yeah, their fourth season, they've kind of had sort of a, a reset almost a little. Not a reset, but they've kind of, they've had a bit of turnover since then. And they've, they've sort of settled on... A fairly solid squad. Still, you can still tell they're spending a lot of money on wages compared against the mm. money they're getting because they struggle to get two thousand average crowds, don't they? I mean, but yeah. their average is about two thousand eight hundred. But that's boosted by some big away support for some games, like against us. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. they've struggled to get thirteen hundred for a couple of games. I think possibly it's pathetic, isn't it? it it's, it's not. I mean, considering the ticket prices are really cheap as well. I think fifteen pound mm. a ticket. It's not really great in that sense, is it? Um, when you look through the squad, Mike, in terms of. You know, looking at generally looking at the January editions, goalkeepers an interesting area because they haven't got a permanent goalkeeper. They've, they've done what we did a few seasons ago. They got a couple on loan. Yeah, it's uh, a bit weird with the uh, Cairns and uh, Bella Gamby. <laughs> I think they had a keeper on loan for the first half of the season from um, Jacob Chapman from Huddersfield, but he went back. I don't know if he was injured or not. So they bought Bella Gamby in. Um, as a replacement from Huddersfield as well. So that's clearly maybe it's one of those things that are like, well, he's injured or whatever. Mm. We'll let you have this lad instead. But Cairn seems to be the first choice, doesn't he? Um, mm. He's had a few loan spells, I think, from Fleetwood. He, he seems a solid enough keeper. When you look at the rest of the team, midfield's where they're quite well stacked, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, obviously, Elliot, what we know very yeah. well from his time with us. Um, I think, was he in Team of the Year as well? He was in Team of the Year alongside Moxon, yeah. yeah. So he's, um, and he's, one, he's one assist ahead of Moxon at the moment. But he hasn't scored this season, to be fair, mm, either. So, yeah. That's mad. Um, and Stevie Mallon's a player that I've been aware of for a few years. He uh, did bits in Scotland. And they, I think they signed him from somewhere in Turkey, I think. Uh, um, possibly. I'm trying uh, to have a look here. Where is it? Is it listed here in my list? Yeah, no. Uh, from, I think yeah, so. you're right. Yeah, Yeni, Yeni yeah. Mala to Yaspor. Yeah. Yaspo, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, it's an interesting one. And they signed a lad from um, Nancy as well, didn't they? In France, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Simo, so some some interesting. It's, it's actually pronounced Nancy, but there you go. Not, I know, I know, but there you go. Um, <laughs> let's, let's not say that. Um, yeah, they had the lad on loan from Brighton as well first half season, Tolash, didn't they? But he's gone back actually now, so he's not as good. And actually, Tom King was a permanent goalkeeper for them the first half season, but he's gone to Northampton for the rest of the season. Um, they've got former United trialist Richard Nati in there as well in defence. Um, beyond that, yeah, when you look at it, there's, there's some decent quality in there. I mean, Louis Barry on loan from Aston Villa is an interesting one. He, mm. You know, he was started out was it at West Brom, and he went went to Barcelona for a couple of seasons. The youngster <laughs> came mm. then back to Villa, and now he's. I think there was big expectations when players had it, clubs had him on loan, and he's really struggled to make an impact. Mm. He went to Ipswich at some point and just didn't could barely get in the team. I think. As Salford, he's finally finding his feet a little bit and he's actually playing in a team where he's getting a bit of game time. He was potentially going to miss this game because he got sent off against Walsall in the last game. That has been overturned, though, so he can't yeah. play in this game, which is frustrating. So, yeah, I mean, danger men in there. Oh, what's an obvious one, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. His set pieces are always, yeah, uh, yeah on point. Yeah. Um, Odin yeah, Bailey I mean, was very good at uh, Forest Green a couple of years ago, wasn't he? But I don't think he's quite made the impact at... At Salford that they were hoping since he's joined them permanently from Birmingham. Yeah, um, Matt Smith is always a danger. Uh, big man big, up front, big unit, isn't he? And, and uh, Conor McElhenney as well. Yeah, he's one I've always rated. I think I I bigged him up a couple of seasons ago, and I think you, to, you and Dan dismissed me for that, didn't you? When he was at Oldham, <laughs> so he's not that good. And it turns out he is that good. Actually, he's quite a good player. Um, yeah, you're right. I think McElhenney's one. He tends to be coming off the bench. I think at the moment. Um, mm. I think Hendry as well is another one who's, who's done pretty well. For, they've got some decent attacking options, haven't they? Actually, to be fair, mm. when you look at it, um, defensively, Adrian Mariapa, interesting one coming in. Isn't mm. he? He's, Big experience centre back. He's been around the block. I think he signed uh, after the window closed. Actually, uh, the January window closed. I think because he was unattached. So 
interesting additions. So yeah, there's a couple of former Blues in there. You've mentioned, obviously, uh, Elliot Watt, but there's also uh, one game wonder, Ashley Easton, in there. He's the captain at Salford. Mm-hmm. Been there for a while now, hasn't he? Um, let's talk about United then, Mike. Um Sorry, I should say, in terms of overall form, they're eighth in the last six-game form table record of drawn, loss, one, loss, one, one. United are actually ninth now with a record of loss, one, drawn, 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 one. So we haven't lost in five. It's something to consider, mm. isn't it, really? Um, yeah, let's talk about United then. Um, Defence, so formation-wise, you'd stick with 4-3-3, would you? Yeah, well? especially as well when you factor in the away game. You know, we started with five at the back and yeah. we were kind of on the ropes a little bit. And when we went to four at the back in that game, we just absolutely battered them. I, I'm of a different view on this. I feel like we should stick, we should go to the three five two at the start. I would put Barkley as the wing back, keep wheeling in there with Huntington and Mellish. And then midfield, I'd probably bring in Gibson maybe to play alongside Moxon and Guy. And then I'd, up front, I'd probably go Edmondson and Dennis actually. Mm. I go a bit of a physical presence up there, and give yourself the option to go to that four-three-three where Edmondson can drift out to the left and be an aerial presence on the right back, and Gibson could you know try, try his trickery on the uh, on the right, can't he? It, it's it's a tough one. I, I can get why people were on a stick with the four-three-three, but I just think it, it did okay against Barrow, but it didn't do enough to convince me that actually we should change from what we've been doing all season, which has worked pretty well to be fair, especially home games as well. We've been getting results generally, so. Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. Defensively, um, so would you make any changes if you're going with the four three three? Would you stick with it? Um, yeah, I, I'd probably uh, keep the same back four mm-hmm. um, as as against Barrow if we're to play four at the back. In midfield, what would you do there? Would you would you stick with Mellish, Moxon, and Guy? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Mellish absolutely terrorised them in the in the away game. Yeah. I think you're right in terms of the bigger pitch it might help a little bit more in that game but yeah I'm with the opinion we should go for the back three but um, yeah it's different isn't it but there you go in terms of a front obviously Gordon can't play what yeah. do you do there? Um, I'd probably go a front three of Edmondson Dennis and Patrick uh, okay. Patrick on the left Edmondson yeah. on the right and Dennis in the middle yeah no, I, 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 I wouldn't disagree with that if we're going to go with the three up front Um yeah, Patrick definitely in there. I feel a bit bad for Gibson because when he's coming with games, he's done quite well, but he's he's kind of sort of a bit, you know, in and out, isn't he? Really, but mm. that's just the reality at this stage of the season, isn't it? On the bench, who do you bring in then to replace Gordon? Obviously, because someone's going to come in to replace him in the team, but who's going to take the place on the bench? Uh, well, like you said before, I think if Charters is fit enough, um, I'd bring him in because he gives you a little bit of versat- versatility as well. Yeah, um, unless yeah. you maybe think put Senior on there to give you the option to change wing backs and defensively and things like that possibly I don't know you but... could probably have both of them on the bench yeah I think Robinson's kind of selected as that defender now is he yeah, sort of selected isn't he but there you go um, in terms of all the other games around us as well there's a few it's some interesting games this weekend for the, obviously we mentioned obviously Stockport are away at Orient and I'm sure Orient will end on a high of the last home game of the season weren't they mm. um, Stevenage home against Grimsby kind of expect them to win that probably um, Bradford uh so Northampton home against Bradford, that's an interesting one. Like I said, can't really work out what I want from that one, can mm. I? Uh, Mansfield are at home against Harrogate Town. Um, Mansfield's last away game, the last game of the season is Colchester away, which is actually a tougher game than it looks because mm. they're in a really good run of form. They're right up the form table at the moment. So mm. interesting to see how they get on there. Um, prediction time. So um, what are you going to go for? The points haven't changed because none of us predicted Ben Barkley to score last week. Have they? What are you going to go for for this? I'm going to go for a 2 0 win with okay. goals from Dennis and Mellish. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go for. Uh, I'm going to go 2 0 as well, but I'm going to go goals from Patrick and Moxon to finish the season. Here's Dan's prediction for the game. I'm going to go for a solid 3 0 win. Uh, promotion hopes to uh, still be alive going into the last day because. Either Northampton or Stevenage will blow up tomorrow. Uh, goals from Christian Dennis to get his 20th league goal. Uh, Amari Patrick and uh, Howitzer from Jack Armour. 
There you go. He's gone for the three. No, he's, he's taken one each of our scores as well, which is quite irritating, isn't it? Really? <laughs> Without knowing as well, which is which makes it worse. But there you go. Yeah. Um, we, he hasn't sent us a question yet, so I don't think we're going to have a question of the week this week, sadly, unfortunately. But you can think one up yourselves, can't you, from home? Um, right, <laughs> X-Files section, Mike. Uh, plenty to cover this week, though, isn't it? It's been quite a busy week. Yes. Uh, first up, uh, last weekend, Cole Stockton. There's a couple of braces to start. Cole Stockton got two goals for Morecambe. <laughs> In their three-two win at, at Charlton Athletic, is Derek Adams going to complete the great escape with Morecambe again? Maybe, isn't it? Yeah, it's like because like, it looked like they were dead and buried, and just a few results have gone their way, and suddenly, actually, both Accrington and Morecambe could stay up, couldn't they? Because Accrington won in midweek against yeah. Bolton, so which if we're to go up, that would be fantastic if they're both in that league. Yeah, especially if you lose, like, obviously you're going to lose Forest Green, but you lose Cambridge, MK, Dons and Oxford. That'd yeah, be quite exactly. nice, wouldn't it? Nice uh, but likewise, if we stay down and they're the teams coming into this league, that's not what you want. No, exactly, exactly. So it's, you know, swings and roundabouts in that sense. Uh, Andy Cook, we mentioned before, he scored two for Bradford in their 2-2 draw against Gilligan. Kedwin Scott, he recovered from his uh, penalty miss the other week. Uh, he scored the opener for Notts County. They won 5-2 at Mainstone United. Jack Bridge scored a penalty um, for Southend United in their 3-1 win at Scunthorpe United to keep their slim playoff hopes alive. They're still alive because in the midweek, I think it was Boreham Wood lost their game. So it's very, very tight. I think they, they need a goal swing, though. I think, unfortunately, so it's probably not likely. Um, Owen Windsor, here's one we haven't had for a while. Mm. He scored for Chippenham Town in their 2-2 draw with Tombridge Angels in the uh, National League South. Um, David Simonson. He scored for Workington in their 4-0 home win over Colne in the final game of the regular season. Connor Thompson, he scored a goal and missed a penalty in that Morpeth 3-3 draw that we mentioned in the Lone Watch. So he had a busy day. Uh, Stefan Skugel, he's one we haven't mentioned in a while as well, is it? He mm. scored a penalty for Aloha Athletic. Unfortunately, they lost 4-1 at home against Falkirk, so not a great day for him. And uh, another one off the border, Cameron Salkold. He scored a goal. He was an injury time equaliser for Clyde in their 1-1 draw at Peterhead. It's a long journey, that Clyde to Peterhead, isn't it? Mm. Right to the top of Scotland, my word. Uh, into midweek, Macaulay Gillespie. We don't talk about him scoring goals too much either. He scored for Plymouth Argyle in their 2-0 home win of the Bristol Rovers. That result means they need just one win from their remaining two fixtures to secure promotion to the Championship. What season they're having. Mm. Them in Ipswich. Annoying, I'm annoyed that Ipswich are probably going up because I was hoping to take that off next season if we went yeah. up. But um, Sheffield Wednesday have proper bottled there, haven't they? I, mean, I kind of feel because they have not played that badly. They just had, they had that short run of that three results that were really bad. And suddenly they're going to be a playoff team instead. Yeah, well, I mean, you say bottled it, but they're still on like 90 points. I know. Which, you know. It, it, it's nearly as bad as like in the in the National League, obviously, with Wrexham mm. and Notts County, isn't it? Like, you kind of feel a bit for them because like, Darren Moss, when you look at thinking, 90 points most seasons get you promotion. Mm. I mean, it's Wins you the league a lot. Yeah. I mean, look at Orient are on 90 points right now. Mm. <laughs> They're top of League 2. But League 2 is very tight. That's the thing you, you, you realise this season, isn't it? Mm. Um, Adam Campbell, he scored twice for Gated in their 2-0 win at Boreham Wood in midweek. That's the result that keeps Southend's playoff hopes alive, actually. Uh, Mika Abiro, Abiero, sorry, um, he scored a penalty for Wilson in their 3-0 home win over Solihull Moors. Uh and then onto that uh, Workington v Cliverow playoff final, and the two goals in that game were scored by former Blues. Dave Simonton scored the second goal with a decent finish uh, just inside the box, but Connor Tinian stole the headlines, didn't he, with the opening goal? Mm. A penalty, not just a penalty, but a Penenka. Beautiful take, I think. Penenka. <laughs> I, I, I put, I've put Penenka. I've just realised I've left the yeah. there, I? on the uh, running order. So Penenka penalty, lovely finish. But as Dan said in our group chat, I said if I was a clever player, I'd be ending his season after doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. So yeah, that's working since the player final speak, and hopefully they can get themselves up because it's good for us because we can send players to a better level, can't we? And yeah, it'd definitely. Be nice with Danny Granger as well. Hopefully we can have him in the uh, promoted and relegated section next week. A few that will be about eight or nine players on the list, won't we? If Workington go up in that playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, Promoted and relegated, Mark Howard and Aaron Hayden. Promoted and champions in the National League. As Wrexham's fairy tale with inverted figures. I mean, look, I've got no problem with their owners. I think I think it's great the way they've really bought into it and they clearly yeah. seem very genuine. But don't don't say it's a fairy tale, because it's not. The thing is, though, like people say that, but for me, for the long-suffering fans, it is a fairy tale. Yeah, yeah I get that. You know. But for the for the overall narrative, it's not a fair sale in my eyes. But there you go. But I mean, yeah. it's great for them. And look, I'm sure there'll be a strong team next season in League Two. But I, 
I think they're getting a little bit ahead of themselves when they're talking about like they're going to basically steamroll a field League 2. League 2 is a lot tougher than you think. Yep. It's a lot tough. There is some dross at the bottom, but look at this season. Look how tight that playoff fight has been this season. That yep. top seven, I don't think... I think it's probably the best top seven in League 2 for a long, long time, actually. I think the standards yeah, are excellent. Yeah. It really has. Um, yeah, so they won 3-1 over Boreham Wood and, and got promoted for the, after... 16 seasons away from the EFL. It's a long time. You didn't realise how long it was, actually. Yeah, exactly. Quite incredible. Uh, the only other little bit of uh, XFL stuff is that Jared Brandfight is continuing to be linked with big European clubs during his successful loan spell at PSV. Reportedly, he's now being watched by Bayern Munich, Benfica and Ajax on top of Rome, Manchester United and Liverpool. I think he's going to go for big money in the summer. I really, really do. Everton are going to need the money, aren't they? So, yeah. Interesting to see what happens there. There you go. Right, that's it, Mike. We're sorted. We've yep. done the preview. We're looking ahead to this weekend's game. There's still a chance. There's still that chance. Yeah. I think it's all, all we can do is win our last two games. Exactly. And hope that other things go in our favour. And either way, if you win those two games, you go into the playoffs on a run of seven games unbeaten, having yeah. won your last three in a row. Yeah, yeah exactly. With hopefully barely conceding any goals as well. And yeah. that's what you want, because the playoffs are chaos. So going in there with a bit of form... And a bit of solidity might not be the worst thing in the world, might it? And that's the thing. I've seen as well people saying, oh, we'd be the favourites in the playoffs. But the way I see playoffs, every team just has a one in four chance of going up. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter where you finish in the league. It's a lottery and every team just has a one in four chance. Well, next week, once we know know, what's happened, if we we know we're not going to make the top three and maybe if we've secured a playoff place, we can start talking about who we'd like to face or who we think we'll face and who'll be the tough teams and stuff like that. We'll see. Uh, Yeah, so we'll be back next week of a review of the uh, Salford game. We're stopping overnight, aren't we, for the Salford game? So that could be fun. And uh, we'll do a preview of the Sutton game as well. So thanks for joining me, Mike. Cheers. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And most importantly of all, up the Blues. Up the Blues. A win away, 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 a win away.